Acts 16. Acts 16. We're going to look tonight as we are next to last time for the year. Next month we'll have our final uh, service as we focus on our theme for 2023. By the way, we're slowly approaching 2024, which is hard to believe. We're going to talk tonight on striving through difficulty. Striving together through difficulty. We don't like difficulty. <laughs> and we don't enjoy it. We like comfort. Uh, we like smooth riding. We like easy, easy seas. <laughs> the disciples knew what it was to face difficulty. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to face difficulty. By the way, our lovely Lord knew what it was to face difficulty. The great saints of old knew what it was to face difficulty. We're going to come together in Acts 16 and examine just for a few moments an event in the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The Bible tells us here in Acts 16, in verse number 16, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by Susan. Let me stop this for a moment. So they start to pray, and right when they do, they got some demon-possessed woman shows up. How many of you think that would be encouraging in a prayer meeting? Probably not. We're talking about wet blanket type material here. Like, man, we're going to pray, and all of a sudden, here's a demon-possessed woman. Then it says in verse 17, The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved. Now, hold on a minute. Paul has a, a cheerleader here. A cheerleader said, hey, listen to him. Hey, he's telling the truth. Hey, you want to listen to this guy? Only problem with that is the devil's the cheering committee. And the Bible says here that Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and under the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks, in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. 
and the prisoners heard them. Let's pray together. Lord, we need your help. Lord, what a privilege it is to be a member of this family, this body of believers, this local church. Lord, I thank you for the heart and the desire here to strive together to serve you, to love you. Lord, how privileged I am to be called pastor under shepherd. Lord, tonight, those gathered here, we all of us struggle in this area facing difficulty. Lord, we're prone to want to quit. Lord, we very easily are willing sometimes to throw up the flag. Lord, would you help us to realize that even in the midst of difficulty, that we need to strive together. Lord, as we examine this passage, help us to see what you did. What grew forth, what sprung forth from this great difficulty. Lord, not just a inconvenience, but great difficulty for these two servants of Christ. Lord, I pray you bless us as a church. Lord, we don't pray for difficulty. Lord, we don't ask for it tonight. But Lord, when it comes, help us to strive together to continue to stay faithful. Bless us now, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Can I tell you, difficulty is a fact of life. We live inside of the human condition, by the way, that came about not because of God, because of man's sin. The world that God created was cursed by the sin of Adam. And along with that curse came difficulty. Difficulty in providing for your family. God said to Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to till the ground. Difficulty in childbirth, as God said to Eve, great travail. Difficulty in our relationships with one another. Difficulties in so many aspects of life. Jesus told the disciples, by the way, Jesus was not a health and wealth preacher. And Jesus was not a televangelist or hell evangelist, as I call them. Jesus said, these are the words of Christ. He said in John chapter 16, verse 33, the things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. <laughs> but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus said we're going to have tribulation. We're going to have difficulty. While you have no control over what happens to you, you do have control over what happens in you and how you respond to difficult situations. Emerson Egrich said your response is your responsibility. And how true our response, how we respond to difficulty as a Christian, when we experience difficulty, can, can I tell you, Paul and Silas here, they, they face some difficulty. And we see how they responded. In just a little bit, we're going to talk a little more about it. But we also face difficulty. Face problems. 
We, we go through difficult situations. We have the Holy Spirit with us. But that does not mean that we avoid difficult situations. It doesn't mean we're not going to face problems. Suffering through seasons of difficulty was a big part of the first century church. Great suffering. Great difficulty. And through that was birthed the gospel going forth. Because the early church, they strive together through the difficulty. Through the difficulty. First Peter chapter 4 says, Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on his behalf. Verse 19 of the same passage says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. We're going to examine the, the response, the actions of Paul and Silas as we see them facing difficulties. Number one tonight, I want to talk to you about the calling, the calling that they encountered. If you look at verse 9 back in our text, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. We could read on down to verse 19, and we would find that the reason that Paul and Silas were in Philippi, again, not the Philippine islands, the Philippi is a different place, as they were in Philippi of Macedonia, the reason they were there is because they had a calling. God had called them. When we back up from the passages we read earlier, we realize that they were in the will of God. So if they were in the will of God, why was it hard? If they did what God wanted them to do, if they went where God wanted them to go, then why wasn't it just smooth sailing? Understand, as we think about the calling they received here, they were living out God's plan. God said, hey, I want you to go. As we see that calling, the man from Macedonia, come over and help us. God immediately placed in Paul a desire to go and to preach the gospel in Philippi or in Macedonia. And as they went, they came to the major city, the capital city of Macedonia. They went to the hub. They went right there to the middle of it all and said, man, we're going to start we're going to preach the gospel. They were living out the will of God. Christian, can I remind you that sometimes the will of God is a place where we encounter some of the most difficulty from the world. That does not mean that God is judging us. That does not mean that we're living outside the blessing of God. It simply means that we're seeing the result of a sin-cursed world. 
Paul and Silas were living out God's plan. Not only that, they were living for God's purpose. What was God's purpose? We see here they were preaching the gospel. That was the purpose. They were preaching and proclaiming the truth. And not only were they proclaiming the truth, but they proclaimed freedom. How? They proclaimed freedom to that girl who was possessed as Paul cast out that demon. That the possessed girl was free in Christ. They were fulfilling, living out God's purpose. Christian, don't listen to the lie of the devil that says, as long as I'm living out God's purpose, everything's okay. I'll have no problems. As we think tonight about difficulty, I want you to understand that difficulty is going to come. It's how we react to that difficulty that makes a difference. Look at verse 19. And when our masters saw the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace. And the rulers, they were living under God's providence. Now, as you think about that, I said number three, they were living under God's providence. As we think about that providence of God, we would say, the Bible says there they caught them. <laughs> they drew in the marketplace and the rulers. And, and the next verse, they, they're thrown in prison. How is that the providence of God? The word providence comes from two root words. Two root words put together. One of those root words is the word pro. You can look at me and tell that I am not a pro athlete. Uh, I'm not even a, a minor athlete. No, pro, the word pro means before, beforehand. And the other word that we find that word providence come from is the word basically video or to view. Providence means to see ahead of time. To be able to see ahead and see, if you will, the future. Now they were living under God's vision of what was going to happen. God had led them there. God's purpose was for them to be there. They were fulfilling it. They were living in it. And they were also living under the view of God. And yet, under the view of God, we see them bound and taken to prison. Remember that God knows. God knows everything that happens. Not only does God know, but God knew ahead of time. God didn't sit back and go, I can't believe Paul and Silas got put in prison. Oh, I'm shocked. God saw in the future. God knew. They were living under the providence of God. Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Christian, as we think about our reaction and how we ought to deal with problems and difficulties, remember that God knows. Don't ever come to the place where you think that oh, surely God didn't know this was going to happen. God could never have foreseen this. God in his providence has seen everything. 
God knows all. Number two, we see the challenges. The challenges they endured. The challenges they endured in verse 20 through 25. We won't read the whole passage, but they were brought before the magistrates. They were lied about. They had horrible things happen. They were put in prison. They were had their feet not only in prison, but their feet were locked in the stocks. They endured personal slander. Hey, dear friend, can I tell you, just because you're a Christian, just because you're in the will of God, doesn't mean you won't face personal slander. I've got a dear friend, one of my dearest friends, who's faced some horrible lies about him publicly. They're not true. But Christian, it doesn't mean that if we live for Christ and if we just follow him, we won't face slander. We see Paul and Silas were slandered. These men being Jews to exceedingly trouble our city, that they were slandered, they were lied about. Matthew chapter 5 is still true, Christian. Matthew chapter 5 is still true when it says in verse 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile ye and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. When we start to align with the principles and the word of God, oftentimes we become a target. We become a target for the devil. We become a target for the world. We become a target for those that hate this book. They endured personal slander. They also endured political injustice. In verse 22, it says, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They could have said, Hey, I've got rights. Yeah, their rights were taken away. Personal slander. As well, we see here, they lost their rights, if you will. They had political injustice. Political injustice. You know, we, we get so easily offended in our world today. And we, we think pretty highly of our rights. And praise God for the rights and freedoms we have. Ms. Teresa mentioned, Ms. Teresa comes from a country where those are not enjoyed. She understands the great difference. Christian, let us not think that our rights will keep us from problem, will keep us from difficulty. Paul and Silas had rights, but they were stripped from them. They also endured physical abuse. How dare you? Oh, yeah. Verse 23 says, and they had laid many stripes on them. They beat them. I was talking to someone this week, I can't remember who, or early last week, and they were asking me about my, my ribs and my back and the pain I was dealing with, and I responded with what the plan was going forward for my health, and, and I shared the thought that I had that morning as I was dealing with pain. I thought to myself, I wonder what the Apostle Paul felt like when he woke up every morning. You realize almost everywhere Paul went, he was beaten. 
almost everywhere he went. Almost everywhere Paul went to preach the gospel, he was beaten or stoned. He was put in stocks. He was whipped. He, he wasn't staying on a memory foam mattress every night. He was sleeping in the, the muck and the mire of the dungeon. I happen to believe that Paul's body was broken. I think as Paul got up in the morning, I think it was a process of him barely being able to get to his feet. From his body being so broken, and yet here it is again. I wonder how many times Paul wanted to say, I'm getting too old for this. I don't have to put up with this. I mean, I could go back to Jerusalem. Man, the, the church at Jerusalem, they, they'd welcome me in. Be comfortable for me. I wouldn't have to put up with this anymore. But he endured physical abuse. He went through it. In verse 24, not only physical abuse, but also they endured pitiful conditions. Who hadn't received such charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Years ago, I went to a pastor's conference with a group of folks from, I, was, I came from Canada down to the U.S., and I met with a church my parents used to attend in West Virginia, and, and I went with a group of men to a pastor's conference. And a dear friend of mine who is a missionary in Brazil, his name is Mark Edwards. Well, the Mark was there, and they put Mark and I in the same room. We were going to share a hotel room together. We got to the hotel room in this hotel. It was a nice hotel, an okay hotel. Nice as a stretch. And the, we got in the room and the floor, there's a pool of blood on the floor. I don't know if somebody was stabbed. I don't know if they sacrificed a cat. Uh, I don't know. I just the butchered a moose. I don't know what happened, but there's a pool of blood on the floor. We go in the bathroom, the shower didn't work, the toilet was broken and overflowing, and it was bad. I mean, to this date, the worst experience I've ever had. And I went to the front desk, and I said, ma'am, I said, we got a problem. I said, there's a pool of blood in our floor. Before I could go any farther, she said, we'll give you a different room. Almost as if she knew about the issue, and they hadn't dealt with it yet. So they felt bad. They came back a few minutes later and said, here you go. We gave you the honeymoon suite. So Mark and I, we shared the honeymoon suite together. Somewhere there's a picture of us fully clothed in suits, sitting together in a heart-shaped hot tub. No water in the hot tub. Uh, the arm around each other in this big honeymoon suite. It was a, it was a nice place. I mean, big, big place. Uh, it was nice. We shared the honeymoon suite together. It was a joke for us for years about being in that place. It was pretty nice conditions. It was better than blood on the floor. It was better than the toilet overflowing. It was better than a regular room. It was a honeymoon suite. Can I tell you, Paul and Silas, that they weren't, they weren't sharing a honeymoon suite. They were in the worst possible conditions they could possibly imagine. But that's where they were. That's just some of the challenges they faced. Many of us, if, honestly, if we saw one of those challenges, all right, I'm out, I'm done. But they faced all of these. Those are the challenges they went through. 
and steal. Had encountered one trial and disappointment one after another. Her mother died when she was three. When she was 19, she suffered a severe hip injury that left her an invalid. Eventually, she fell in love was engaged, and was engaged to be married. The day before her wedding, her fiancé drowned. Later, God gave Anne Steele grace as she would pen the following song. Father, what heir of earthly bliss thy sovereign will denies. Accepted at thy throne of grace, let this petition rise. Give me calm, a thankful heart, from every murmur free. The blessings of thy grace impact and make me live to thee. You know, we, we get stuck in line too long at Tim Hortons waiting for our coffee and we, <laughs> our day's done. You know, somebody sits in our chair at church and we, we lose it. We see here that they endured many things. What a wonderful testimony. 2 Corinthians 11 says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in, parable, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. There you have the testimony of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to face some challenges, to endure difficulties. Number two here in our text, we see the conquest they experienced. Victory. Verse 25 says, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, if we don't read the passage before this, like, oh, man, they're holding a prayer meeting, they're singing, they're praising God, they're preaching somewhere. They're in the worst part of the inmost of the prison in shackles, in stocks. And yet in the midst of that place, God gave them victory. We read about it the rest of the passage, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. It goes on and we read the rest of the passage and we know the rest of the story. The Philippian jailer got saved. His family got saved. They all got baptized that night. They, they took Paul and Silas home and washed their stripes and cleaned them up and helped them and blessed them. 
before we get to that, understand as we think about the conquest, the victory they enjoyed, the prisoners were stunned. Imagine you're in prison. I'm assuming, like most prisons, the people in prison are like, man, I'm, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything wrong. But most of them were guilty. My dad got to go on a prison ministry outreach one time, got to go to a big, a big prison, maximum security prison. While they were there, there was a death row. They wouldn't let anybody go on death row. And my dad asked the guard this many years ago, uh, can I go down there and talk to the death row inmates? And the guard looked at my dad. My dad's a big guy. He said, yeah, only you. Nobody else can go down there. But we'll let you go down there. But stay away from the bars. You know, don't give them anything. Don't hand them anything. Don't let them. T- you, you can go talk to them. My dad was excited. He thought, man, this is like going to be like fishing in a barrel. You know I mean? Imagine death row inmates. I mean, they're going to die very soon. They're criminals. I mean, they've done horrible, terrible things. And, man, you got to go with the message of the grace of God. Man, God can save you. Dad goes there thinking, man, this will be the greatest opportunity of soul winning I've ever experienced in my life. He goes in death row, prisoner after prisoner after prisoner. Dad said almost every one of them, man, I shouldn't be here. I'm innocent. I'm not a bad person. He said he had a hard time even convincing one of them they were sinners. They, they just, that's, that's where they were. In the prison where Paul and Silas was, there were people just like those death row inmates. The worst of society. And they hear, I don't think it was Amazing Grace because Mr. Newton wasn't alive yet, but they heard Paul and Silas singing something. They heard the hymns, and they thought, man, that's coming from the middle of the prison. That's the bad place. (laughs) I mean, I I spent a a week there once. That's the worst place you can possibly go in the prison. And they're singing praises. They sound happy. They're glorifying God. They're talking to God. Understand The prisoners were stunned. The prisoners were stunned. They could not imagine what was going on. John Phillips' commentary describes the scene in this way. Silas might say, Brother Paul, how's your back? Oh, It hurts. How's yours, Silas? Your legs cramped yet? Yeah, they hurt really bad, Paul. I'm sure glad young Timothy and Dr. Luke escaped. As Paul said, we sure could use Luke right now. We sure could use some medicine. We're in a rough way, Silas. What are we going to do, Paul? Will they beat us again? You think they're going to kill us? As Paul might have said, well, the first thing we're going to do, my dear brother, is we're going to pray. And after we pray, we're going to sing praises to our God. 
Sing? What do you mean sing, Paul? How can we possibly sing? As Paul would look at Silas and say, remember when Jesus said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and say all manner of evil, persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. What did Jesus say next, Silas? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. So Silas, we're going to sing. And we're going to praise God. That's how they responded. Soon the prison walls echoed the chorus of the singing of the saints of God. The prisoners heard the message of Jesus. They heard them worship the Lord of lords and King of kings. They heard them sing of their salvation. They heard them sing of the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Word had spread. I have no doubt all the prisoners heard. I'll tell you why I believe that all the prisoners heard and all the prisoners were affected. Because when the doors opened up and the chains came off, Prisoners didn't leave. Paul said honestly, hey, it's okay. We're all here. I personally think all those prisoners were so glad to be out of their cell so they could go and talk to Paul and find out what Paul had that they wanted. They were affected. Not only that, but we see that the jailer was saved. We know the story. Verses 27 through 34. I said that God saw beforehand what was going to happen. Now here's what we want to do. We want to swoop in and we want to tell God, God, you blew it. God, how could you let this happen to me? How dare you not stop this from happening to me? Can I tell you what would have happened if God would have stopped Paul and Silas from going to jail? I believe the home where that church in Philippi started was the home of that guard, that jailer. You see, he got saved, and his wife got saved, and their children got saved, and they were all baptized. The first baptisms in the local church in Philippi happened in the home of the Philippian jailer. I believe the great ministry to the church at Philippi, and as you study church history, as you see the great church, and it was a great church. It was a church that loved the Lord. It was a church that loved the work of the Lord. It was a church that gave to meet the needs of the gospel. It only came about because Paul and Silas were willing to strive together through difficulty. And they got to the place. They went through the beating, through the imprisonment, through being lying about, all the things they faced. And we see the victory they saw here in this jailer coming to Christ. In verse 35 through 39, we see that the, the whole city was shaken. 
Look, if you will, here with me. Verse 35, and when, and when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let us come, let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of their city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. When they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Can I tell you that God shook up that city? God shook up that city. The city was shaken. The whole city was shaken because what God did. As God's servant said, we're going to go through this. It's not what we ordered. It's not what we wanted. It's not what we would have chosen. But we are willing to be faithful. We're willing to strive together even in difficulty. And it was birthed in difficulty. I joke about my wife making a statement when she was in labor with Rebecca. She looked at me and she said, I can't do this. I looked at her and I said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're going to do this. You're, you're going to give birth. And my wife will tell you that she went through a horrible labor, 40 hours. The only thing worse than the labor was having to live with Rebecca after she was born. But 40 hours of labor. Horrible labor. Last little bit before Rebecca was born was very touch and go. Her heart rate was dropping. and Almost, it was not, but almost emergency cesarean. It was very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. But that all went away the moment we heard the cry. And my wife struggled and she had gone through much pain and difficulty, but I have a feeling that the moment baby was okay and she was born, Carrie forgot about the 40 hours of labor. Because all of that was going through so she could see her little baby. Can I tell you all the difficulties we go through together, church? It is all to see and honor our Lord and see God give new birth to others. Amen. And how wonderful that is. We see that happened here with Paul. Not only was the city shaken, but we see that the believers were strengthened in verse 40. And they went out of prison and entered the house of Lydia. When they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. We see there the believers were strengthened. They were encouraged as Paul and Silas came out and said, let me tell you how good our God is. Let me tell you what God did. What a great testimony of a Christian who goes through difficulty and hurt and pain and struggle and comes out on the other side and says, let me tell you, God's faithful. God's faithful. Lastly tonight, as we think about the goodness of God, God met Paul's need. God met Silas's need. 
Christian, God can meet your need. Turn with me to first to Second Corinthians, if you will. This difficult hour for Paul and Silas was a comfort to the Philippian believers. I want you to see here in 2 Corinthians what God gave Paul to pen to the church at Corinth about how God works. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Christian, those two verses are key. God says when we're going through difficulty, and the key is going through, striving together, going through, God says, I'll comfort you. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We have the comfort of God. And God tells us the reason I'm comforting you, one of the reasons is so you can comfort others. So you can comfort others. So we can encourage one another. So we can continue on. So we can face difficulty and not stop, but look and say, hey, let's keep going. Hey, let's let's keep serving Christ. There's a reason when Jesus sent the disciples forth, he sent them two by two. There's a reason he didn't send them one by one. Because he wanted them to have someone to comfort them. Someone along their side to encourage them as our God comforts us. The response to Paul and Silas to difficulty was encouragement. Nobody came to the prison and said, hey Paul, we're praying for you. Hey hey, Silas, we're praying for you. No, they went through all of that. Then they went out of the prison and they went and comforted others. Why? Because God had comforted them. God had given them that comfort. Gold is one of the most valuable materials on earth. I've got a gold ring here. It's a little bit out of shape. It looks like an egg. It's, I don't know, what's that worth, Brother Mud? You know gold, 30 cents, something like that. But it's uh, my wedding band made of valuable material. It's been used, by the way, gold has been used as a money, as a bartering system for centuries. It's been used in industry. It's been used in manufacturing. It's been used even in space flight. One of the traits that makes gold so useful is the fact that it can be shaped, it can be molded, it can be formed easily. 
A single ounce of gold can be flattened out. Listen to this. A single ounce. A single ounce of gold can be flattened out to cover 300 square feet. 300 square feet. That's amazing. That's 15 feet by 20 feet. We're talking this platform here. One ounce could be spread out that thin. I'm not sure why we haven't gilded the whole platform yet, but it can happen. Not here, but theoretically. But gold ore, gold ore dug out of the ground contains many other elements that need to be removed from the gold ore before pure gold comes forth. The refining process to take that gold ore and to come from gold ore and have pure gold requires heat, requires high temperature, almost 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's even hotter than it is in Manila in the summertime. <laughs> Serious heat. That incredibly high temperature is required for gold to be brought to a place where it's ready to use. Christian life, I believe, is much the same process. God allows the heat to come in your life and mine to refine us, to bring us forth, as the Bible says, as gold. When we consider God's providential hands, God's seeing ahead of time, remember, God's working to develop your character and our the church. He's more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. The opposite is true. He loves you very much. God is working to accomplish his work in this world and to receive the glory he is due. He's not working to accomplish your glory. He's working to accomplish his glory. God has connected us with other believers in the local church with whom we can receive strength and encouragement and comfort to go through the difficulties of life. As God works, can I tell you, church, there's going to be some unexpected problems. There's going to be some unexplainable trials that might come. But God's always good. And we can carry on. We can be faithful to him. We can respond with faithful teamwork, even in difficulty. God's power to mold us, to use us, and to give Him glory. Hey, Paul, what'd you think about your stay in that prison in Philippi? Zero stars would not recommend. Uh, the, the bed was uncomfortable because I didn't get one. Uh, I didn't like the service I got beforehand, the beating. I didn't enjoy that. 
Would you like to go back to the prison, Paul? Absolutely not. Would you like to be taken by the magistrates again and beaten again? Did you enjoy that? No. But I praise God for what God did through it. Paul wasn't saying, I enjoy the beatings. I enjoy the prison. Oh, this is so wonderful, Silas, how we're in jail here together. Isn't this great? But Paul said, Silas, we're going we're gonna to praise God. We're going to honor God and we're going to trust him. And as they strove together through the difficulty, God did much more than Paul and Silas ever could have done. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for being good. We thank you for being that constant, that unchangeable, that immutable God. And Lord, as we understand that we will face difficulty, Lord, I believe the reality is we are either facing a difficult situation now or we will very soon, every person in this room. Well, the question is not will we face difficulty. The question, Lord, is how we will respond, what we will do. And Lord, what will we do as a church? Lord, I pray that we would strive together. I pray that we would go forward together. I pray that we would trust you together. Lord, we would receive comfort from you. That we might take that comfort and share with others. Lord, how wonderful that one day we're going to see you face to face. How wonderful one day we're going to be redeemed from the curse of this world. One day all the trials and troubles of this life will be over. But until then, help us to live with heaven in view. Help us to take the next step, even in difficulty, with your purpose in view, that we might honor and glorify you. Lord, may you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen.